Live from Ellis Island Casino in the front yard, it's the Steve Sears Summer Tour 2022. Here's your hosts, Steve Cofield, Adam Hill, and Steve Sears. All right, here we go. Awesome setting, the front yard, Ellis Island, one of our favorite places. My God, you're going to find out about that throughout the show because uh, I think Adam may be a bigger fan than I am of Ellis Island, and I'm a pretty big fan of this place. Historic place, great for locals, really big with folks who work on the Strip and tourists love it. My parents have been out here like three times to Vegas, and the steak and eggs that they got like 18 years ago, they still ask about. So it made it, it, made, it, made, it made an impression. So Ellis Island, the front yard, if you haven't been in the front yard, it's a complete build-out beer garden. That basically was their front parking lot. It's freaking awesome. Steve Sears coming up next hour. We're hoping to have uh, Randy Couture, MMA legend, with us as well, and then lots of other uh, special folks. We were just setting up an amp for a guitar. Naz is here, who's actually played the national anthem at the Aviators games in the past, so we'll see how that goes. We're excited, but they've got the $5 microbrews here, awesome menu, highly recommend the pork belly bites. We're home, Adam. We're at home, and I didn't even mention the karaoke. We're at home. For sure, and uh, Naz was just warming up. It was better than anything we're going to do, so we might as well just let, <laughs> him, let him play the whole time. Let him play the whole three hours. I think that would work. Uh, you mentioned front yard. It's a game changer. I mean, everybody knows about Ellis Island. It's local probably been here before stop by uh this kind of throws people off it's like a totally different vibe than what the cool old school you know ellis island brand is this is amazing and uh yeah it's, it's a spot i'm at quite often uh, a lot of friends that just love this place anytime they come into town so i'm here a lot and then the front yard kind of changed everything so you can go with the old you know thing that we're all familiar with inside with the with the food the barbecue that's fantastic and then a totally different menu and totally different uh, atmosphere out here. We had the barbecue two weeks ago. We did. My Lord. What well, a feast. Nobody took any home. <laughs> no, there were no leftovers. No, no. Well, uh, Steve Sears sat down with us, and Steve's like, get the full rack, get the full rack, get the full rack. You got the full rack. I'm sure. like, I'm old, man. I can't. Like, even though I'm chubby, I'm, I'm not a volume eater. And uh, I got through all the, the fix-ins and the half rack, and it was crazy. And the rack of ribs with the players card here at Ellis Island – is as low as 16 bucks. The chicken, which I understand is very good, is just 14 bucks. So really cool. We'll tell you all about Ellis Island as the show moves along. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Hard Knocks Wednesday. Just because we're on the road doesn't mean we ignore Hard Knocks Wednesday. So episode four last night, Adam Hill, of Hard Knocks with the Lions. I'll say for the most part, your guy, DC, Dan Campbell, Getting annoying. Every episode I watch, I further think he's a buffoon, and they have very little chance of winning. I'm hoping that the assistants can save him. Uh, but it, it got emotional for you at the very beginning because they were in Indianapolis. Yeah, the show started with like a wide-angle shot of Indy, and I just felt like I was home again. What a place. Never lived there. I don't understand why. You, you had love, that in your top five cities. I love that town. For NFL travel. It's a, a completely absurd. Number four. Completely absurd. Vegas, Nashville, New Orleans, Indy. I'm surprised you put Vegas ahead of your uh, your second city, Indy. My beloved Indianapolis. Are you going to move there? Are you going to spend half the year? Like, you're going to summer in Indy? No, I get uh, winter that. Winter in Indy? I Wait, mean, by the way, what, there is no good time there. Like, winter, it's going to be cold. Summer, it's humid as hell. When do you go? The, the fall is lovely? No, I'll spend a week there every year for the combine. 
That's good enough for me. 152nd of the year. I'll, I'll be living there. Uh, the weather was perfect for the combine this year, so I don't know what you're talking about. Now, last time we went for a football game, it was frigid. It was ridiculous in December. Uh, but the combine's great. So I don't, I, I don't know where this slander about the indie weather is coming from. It's a great town. Slander. Yeah. Slander. Such uh, a place. You got your wish last night on Hard Knocks because oh, Jared Goff finally, he's barely appeared in it. And if you're going to put Goff on there, aside from just embarrassing him because he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you have to have the fiance, as I found out again sure. last night, the fiance, what's her name? Kristen Harper. Okay. She did look good last night. She's a very, very attractive young lady. Most attractive woman on the planet. Yes, that's correct. Oh, wow. uh, she was. Indy number four, Kristen number one. She, she finally, Two different lists. She finally made the show. I, I think the reason Jared Goff hasn't been uh, very featured in the show is because it's his third time on Hard Knocks, which is insane. It's, it's only like his sixth or seventh year. Third time on Hard Knocks. That's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, they were going to make sure they got her in. He probably wasn't on because she was probably out of town. They had to wait till she was in town to be on the show. And the way she was introduced, Jared Goff has a clothing line? Yeah, I don't get it. Would you would you ever wear Jared, like Jared Goff apparel out in public? I mean, if I was a Detroiter, Detroitian. He did have some cool Detroit. I mean, it's that my hometown. The one logo. Wait, what? Now it's your, that's where your I'm hometown? From, that's where I was born. Ann Arbor. You were born in Detroit? In Detroit, yeah. Oh, wow. What a calling card. Yeah. From the mean streets of Ann Arbor. Well, or was it Royal Oak because you grew up pretty wealthy? Uh, that's absolutely not true. Not the case at all. Royal Oak definitely different than it was. Now it's different than it was when I was born. It's gotten better, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, very I used to have much. a caller back on Sportsman Radio Network in 1998. Is this bad that I remember this? Uh, Pat from Royal Oak, very nice guy. I hope he's still alive. R.I.P. Maybe he I'm sounded older. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we had Carl in Burlingame, and I actually did find out that Carl in Burlingame passed away a while ago. Carl was actually a little special. And his family actually reached out to us and said, hey, those calls that he used to make to you on the, you know, the early morning show, that, that made it for him. So I don't want to get emotional. but No, it's good. Uh, how did you feel about – so the, the way that this was introduced, yeah, Jared Goff is a clothing line. He was with some, uh, some students, and apparently they're his interns, or one of the kids asked to be his intern. I don't know exactly what the relationship was, but yeah. he knows these kids that he kind of mentors, which is a cool thing. And the kid said – I have a question. Can I be the best man at your wedding now that you're engaged? And Jared's like, well, I don't know. You're going to have to ask her. And then Kristen was in the shot. She's like, oh, yeah, of course. No, that's that's an absolute lie. And they hope they never have to talk to the young man. again. Are they committed to this? I think they are. Yes. I think he's got to be part of the wedding party. He can't be the best man. He's got to give the speech. But he boxed her in. Golf didn't want to just say no. So he, he, I, I guarantee he got yelled at afterwards. Oh, yeah. Don't put me in that position. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so now the kid apparently is the best man at their wedding. That means he has to give a speech, which he didn't, he, you know, I don't know how that speech is going to go. Uh, but he also has to plan the bachelor party. Isn't that the role of the best man? He has to plan the bachelor party, so and then he, he also has to make a speech, not really knowing anything about Jared Goff, aside from, like, this T-shirt thing. And I guess he could probably go back and do some research and make some jokes about the sun and where it rises and, and falls. I don't know that that kid's doing that much research. And so, yeah, I, I feel like a 13 or 14-year-old, whatever this kid was, planning her bachelor party is probably a, probably a tough spot to be in. And they're committed. Like, there's no going back now. They've said it on national television. That's, that's what has to happen. That'll break up a marriage before it even happens. Well, I don't know what she's doing with him anyway. Is she smart? Oh, yeah. She is. I love, no Br- hesitation. Brilliant. Well, then why is she with him? 
I don't know. Is it one of those, hey, there has to be a smarter person in a relationship? Apparently he's so a nice, she's, nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, he's like fun, I guess, young, wealthy gentleman. You know what I thought last night looking at him? Because I think we've all kind of had the ship sail on Jared Goff. Like, he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback and probably be on bad teams the rest of his career. He's actually a big guy. Because when, when he was standing next to Dan Campbell, like, Dan Campbell's 6'7", 250, and Goff wasn't that much shorter than Goff had cleats on, so Goff's probably 6'4". But then the shocking thing was, who was the guy who was as big as me? Just 20 years younger and not fat. Who's the backup quarterback or was on the show? David Blau? Sure. He is little. Is he 5'11"? He's not, he's not giant. And I think, his, I think his wife is definitely taller than him. She's a hurdler. His wife's the athlete, right? Yeah. She's a hurdler, which they're usually pretty tall. She's got to be taller than him. And he's fumbling the ball, costing him a game. I mean, if you watched last night's episode, I'm not going to tell you to turn off the show because I don't want you to. But if you watched last night's episode, he didn't get a lot of help. He's in there with the twos and the threes, and your boy, what's his last name? Easy E. How do you say it? Easy. It's easy. It's actually easy. Easy. Maybe. He's the uh, Nigerian kid who went to Memphis, who got clowned on by Aiden Hutchinson because Aiden Hutchinson is a rich elitist who went to Michigan. Boy, okay. Easy was bad. Yeah, he struggled. He, I mean, he—they had the mic on Blau, and like every, like every play, he goes down. He's just like. What? what you're you gonna mean? kill the guy? That was disturbing. He's a 27 year old. He sounds like he's on death's doorstep. Come on, easy. He was getting blown up. There's no question about it. And uh, I, as you know, every year I I obviously have to follow the cuts that all the teams make. I try to avoid the hard knocks team cuts. You can't. So I didn't look at the Lions cuts you can't. very closely. The timing's so bad this year because I feel like normally it's a Thursday or Friday. We can wait through the weekend, yeah. watch the episode on Tuesday. It's a full week. You yeah, can't keep this a secret sucks we, we know almost all of them now so uh but i didn't i didn't look closely at the lions i assume as he got cut i have to assume that he did uh and that could be a brutal scene next week it's gonna be tough to watch as it always is we were close last night we had i thought we were gonna get into it it ended and i was like oh, are they gonna do it no they didn't it's depressing it is for him and it's yet another team that has basically gone into the next couple of days without a backup quarterback. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, again, spoiler alert for next week, because this, this one I do know. David Blau made the team yesterday. So we might get that happy scene of calling the wife, and I made it. I'm on the team one more year. Survived that bad fumble. And then? He got cut today. Why? Well, they, they claimed a quarterback off waivers. Oh, they and, did. Uh, and said, Blau? <laughs> I, I was going to try to make a pun. There's nothing safe. Kapow! Get out. They're gone. Kablau? I don't know. I think Kapow works better. Who'd they pick up? Uh, oh, I knew I've I was going to put you on the spot. I know. I've already forgot. You already forgot. It's got to be someone decent. Is no. it Cooper Rush? No, it wasn't. I can't remember who they got. I, I got to find out during the break. All right, on the way back, let's get to what's going on with Darren Waller. We talked about Josina Anderson the other day, early in the week, said, hey, a deal is basically in place, and we were just waiting for Waller to get a new agent. It looks like Waller has gotten a new agent. Ellis Island Casino. 
home of Oktoberfest on September 24th from 5 to 8 p.m. with contests, unlimited Ellis Island beer for three hours, souvenir gifts, and Oktoberfest bites. It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life, and I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on, so, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can, and it's a uh, continuous process, so... Let's rejoin Cofield and Company at Ellis Island Casino in the front yard. All right, rolling on Ellis Island front yard. Jed's here with the tech setup back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari, Adam Hill. Alongside myself, Cofield, Steve Sear coming up. Steve Sear, Summer Tour 2022, just kicking off. Awesome location, Ellis Island. Come on down. Happy hour down here. Got the micro brews. Uh, front yards menu is great. Got the barbecue joint. Also got a Metro Pizza, Village Pub, Steak Special. So lots of places to drink, play. Three to two blackjack. How about that? So Tom Brady on the way back there, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the show the last couple of days, but that soundbite has been something I've broken down, sliced and diced every way I can. I think Tom Brady sounds very sad. But then on the other hand, I was thinking, did he just work me? And so far, there's been a consensus on that soundbite and what he was saying there and what is happening with Tom Brady. You? I mean, first of all, shouldn't he be happy? He's clearly getting out of a relationship. Should make some, that should make anybody happy. That's what that's what the soundbite is, right? That sounds I don't, like a dream come true. I don't know. He he looked disheveled. His hair was mussed up. He sounded sad. He's sounding depressed about his age. He's got a lot of s to deal with. He's just trying to figure out life. I felt bad for him. Like, look, I gotta get my own place. I gotta, I gotta find somebody to, to clean it. So where are you on this? Because I got yelled at by JVT and by Willie. Really? Yeah, they were what? like, "Cut it out. He's fine. Stop buying it. It was bullcrap. You've been fooled." Do you think this is continuation of I taped the Mass Singer, but I have to throw everybody off the scent? Possibly. Okay. My sneaky suspicion was when he did this, and I was like, man, I feel really bad for him. I also thought of Derek Carr's mastery of this, sure. which is standing up in front of a crowd and disarming you, where you're like, Brady I, guess, Brady. I guess I can't follow up. Yeah, Brady should have said somebody died. No further questions. I mean, he, his, his mood, I mean, when someone says, I'm a 45-year-old man, and I'm just trying to work through things, you're like, okay, do I ask, like, what? Is this a cry for help for me to ask more, or is it leave me alone? Oh, it's leave me alone, but yeah. I, I don't – I didn't even get the sense that he was doing that. It was more – that was a natural – like, to me, I saw this and right away said, okay, yeah, the, the rumors that there's problems in the in the marriage and that something's going to go on, that that's true. Okay, so you're with me. Yeah. There's a little bit of sadness here. Woo! No, not uh, sadness. Ah! Like, look, I got stuff going – like, it's more anger that this has to happen right now. But I can feel bad for him for being angry. Is he angry at his situation or he's angry at the media for asking I think he's angry that it's all like my I'm going to go I'll I'll dig deep. I've done a lot of psychological study on I this know you have. over the last couple of days. Oh, you have. I didn't realize. Oh, you. yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is he's angry at her 
for doing this right now. He's saying, look, I'm 45. I, I came back to play. She could have done this all summer. She's doing this now in training camp when I'm trying to get ready for the season. And he's expressing his anger at her through this clip. Hmm. I think that's what's going on. Are you sad today for the agency clutch? <laughs> um, no. However, I, mean, I, I will throw this in before we switch. Yes. Did, did you forget the tease? As we went to break? What, about Waller? No. Uh, we were going to name the quarterback that the Lions <laughs> I totally forgot about it, yep. I don't have the tease board in front and of me. And how about I told you. And Ari's, you know, about this? if he's listening, it's 50-50. I told he's, you. He's as bad as I am listening to our own show. I told you as we went to break who the quarterback was. Do you remember? Wait a second. Who did the Lions sign? I do, I do remember, yes. That they and and actually, to, my reaction without saying it was, yeah, that probably is an upgrade. I don't know. It's Nate Sudfeld. That's who the Lions signed and cut David Blau today. I think it's an upgrade. Are you sure? I, I know, again, I'm being hard noxified because they showed David Blau getting annihilated. And then, as I also brought up, when I saw David Blau standing next to Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, I'm like, this 5'11 dude can't play in the NFL. Yeah. He's throwing blindly behind a line. That, you know, everyone's 6'5 plus. Is it that he's 5'11 or that he's just kind of dumpy and he's like a. He is. He's like a punching bag. Yeah. This is a sad sack. Yeah. He's me 25 years ago, to be exact. <laughs> With an arm and an NFL athlete, you know, caliber also, dude. But I'm also sad because I said I tried to avoid the Lions' cuts. Obviously, one guy I know was going to get cut, but then I just saw that he signed a contract like 10 minutes ago. I said, ah, come on. Now I know that he's cut. You can't avoid it. The juggler. He just signed with the – Oh, we got to get to the juggler later. I, I love, that's, that's been my, one of my favorite parts <laughs> of this, this whole freaking thing. So, so Darren Waller left so, clutch. So Waller leaves clutch. Uh, we're now beyond the five days, right? He had to wait five days? Yeah, yeah today was the fifth day. Uh, Josie and Anderson came out and said, hey, he, they're just waiting, but they've basically got a deal in place to make him the highest-paid tight end per year in the NFL at 16 mil a year. They'll add on you know, time to the back of this. What does he owe next two years? 15 mil combined? Zero guaranteed, though. Oh, okay, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like his new agent will be? Drew Rosenhaus. Okay. Why are you laughing? I mean, that's, that's, that's who I would expect it to. I mean, that's what, what, isn't that what Rosenhaus does that's why he's drew rosenhaus it's also I, I you know i heard some speculation about this earlier today that uh clutch is obviously a very new agency uh focused on basketball originally but they, they have spread out a little bit and maybe just don't have that football you know all, all the all the accumulated knowledge uh, of football and football deals and how they work and all that stuff so maybe that was part of it uh if this so i just to go back even more, I heard a lot of people saying, why is there a five-day waiting period that's silly? It's not, for, especially for agents, right? If if Clutch got him to the finish line of this deal and said, all right, uh, here we are, here's the deal, here's what it's going to be, and then he said, okay, I'm good, I don't need you anymore. I'm not going to sign it because I don't want to give you the 3%. Not that he did this. I'm just saying in general, why is there a waiting period? Uh, and then all of a sudden you decide with somebody else and they get the 3% or – even crazier, somebody negotiates a deal for you, then you leave, and you say, all right, now I'm just going to sign the contract. Right. I don't need you. So, like, that's why there is waiting periods in place, and that's why that sort of thing happens. But uh, it sounds like maybe there were some of the intricacies of the contract, the institutional knowledge is what I was looking for earlier, of that Clutch might not have yet at this point. And really? House, no, look, this is just outside people talking about this. This is, oh, not, wow. this is not any you know insider kind of stuff. 
Uh, and Rosenhaus has done this many times before. He's gotten many players, the biggest contracts at their position. Um, I think he's broken his own record like 10 times for having the biggest contract. This is what he does. So not necessarily the most surprising thing, and I would expect a deal is done fairly quickly. And by the way, Darren Waller, a couple hours after signing a new, with a new agent, is practicing. So he's healthy. It coincides with his health. I believe Josh McDaniel's statement was, I don't know about any of that stuff. He just got he's fed up talking about it. it or he hasn't talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's he sick around of, it. He's sick of the speculation and what's going on, but seems very weird that Darren Waller gets a new agent and he's on the practice field. Let's talk Waller. Let's talk a little UNLV football on the way back as Caleb Herring, former Rebel quarterback, is on the way on Cofield and Company. It was, we are live in the front yard. Get on down here. $5 on the micro brews. You got the karaoke seven days a week opening up at 9 o'clock. Ellis Island Casino, home of some of the best barbecue in Las Vegas. Get a full rack of ribs for just $15.99. Back to throw Brumfield, looking, pass over the middle, caught, touchdown, Ricky White. Ricky White was all alone, down the middle, where it says Raiders. UNLV scores again. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company, we're hanging at Ellis Island in the front yard. Come on out, happy hour with those pork belly bites. Tremendous menu. Adam Hill is here. Jed's helping out. Cofield. Steve Sears coming up. It's the Steve Sear Summer Tour 2022. He's up in the four o'clock hour. We're gonna. Grab Randy Couture as well, MMA legend. Not really grab him because he'll kill us, but you get my point. Caleb Herring's up. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, we got a lot of UNLV football to get to, but, you know, I'm going to go right to what we were just talking about, and that is it looks like Darren Waller is going to be in the fold relatively soon with a new agent. And, uh, wow, weird. We had heard about an injury, and that's why he was out like 25 days, but uh, he was practicing today so it looks like there's peace in waller raiderland yeah the clips i saw i mean he looked he looked i didn't see any laboring or any limping going on so health maybe at least has been checked off the list of why he wasn't um i think you were saying before the break it's like interesting new agent he's all of a sudden out of practice and it's almost one of those cases where like your agent could have sabotaged you know your team situation and this is one of those things that becomes a potential in professional sports all the time where you know people's individual interests and maybe not even their own individual interests but the people that are supposed to be managing them um the right way quote unquote right way um maybe have different interests in mind that disagree and you know sometimes you got to split ways with those agents and find somebody who more lines up with your goals and your team's goals and maybe that's the case what's happening here with waller where an agent maybe got bigger eyes than waller had intended um and the change was made and now all of a sudden it's more of a, a a cohesive vision going forward with waller the raiders and his management so um yeah I, i'm just glad waller's out there and i'm glad he looks healthy um at least like i said from the little clips that i saw he, he looked like he was running just fine to me in your experience i mean can an agent cure a hamstring are they like mr miyagi they can just kind of rub their hands together and make it better <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, the good ones can. No, I, I've never <laughs> known an agent to be capable of doing such a thing. An agent can probably make your bank account a little more healthy. But as far as your physical stuff, most agents don't have a clue uh, what's going on from a physical standpoint. They can they can 
show you how your physical assets translate to dollar sign. That's that's pretty much what agents do in assessing your worth on the market with with teams is is what they're there for. Let's talk UNLV in the victory in game number one, 52-21. And, you know, it is important that if you talk about close losses and working to avoid those, working on the little details and saying, hey, it's going to be different next season to make it different right out of the gates, right? It's huge. I think it's, it was, and this is why we talked about it before the game, why this was the most important game on the schedule. For the cliche reasons of it's the most important because it's the next one, but also for where the program was. Um, you know, um, ending last season the way they did and the messaging of the offseason um, to hit hit it out of the park on the first win was, was really important for this Rebel program where they are. Um, I don't think they could have afforded from a psychological standpoint to let this one slip or even, in my opinion, to let this one even be close or, or, uh, or contested down the stretch. I think it was very important, which they did, was to come out and hit it out of the park, jump out early, 45 to 7 at half, um, and really never look back, get, the, get the, the second string some chance to get in the game as well. Um, because, like you said, it's a measure of the progress, right? Like you end last season and you're saying, you know, keep chipping away. We're, pro- we're progressing in the right direction. We're close. We're possession away against some quality opponents. All of the things that we chalk up, you know, as moral victories, um, but are important things to coach on and build on. And, and they have a thing at UNLV right now is brick by brick is how they're building this thing. And the brick last season was we're competitive um so then you use that we were competitive last year to motivate your entire off season the work the grind the the tough days the the physicality the brutal summer days that you you spent trying to improve and then that was another brick and then the third brick now in that progression is go win now um and regardless of who the opponent was i think going out there and getting that win satisfies a lot of that off off season messaging um and really gets the psychological aspect of the game rolling for the rest of the season. So you now I've built my third brick. Now I can go try to stack the fourth brick, which is now to get wins versus higher quality opponent, which I have a chance to do. I'm sure we'll talk about it later on um, with going into Cal after the bye week. I thought, you know, obviously just watching the game, Brumfeld played exceptionally well. Uh, I want to get your thought on my kind of theory coming out of that, that, I would have liked to see him play in the second half only because the first half, watching it back, and I haven't watched the tape yet, but watching it live, it seemed like he was throwing receivers that were like 20 yards clear of their defender. And with some of the backup receivers, we weren't seeing that. So I kind of almost wanted to see him with a little bit more challenge, right, of guys that were more closely guarded, maybe more tight windows to try to throw it into. Or does the confidence that he left the game with, does that is that more important? I think that, that last part is probably more important than anything i think him leaving the game with the confidence is is one thing him leaving the game healthy is another thing with doug's history i'm sure that was a factor um um, of him you know being knocked out of some games early because he wasn't able to stay healthy i think what he did to separate himself as the starter allowed you to say okay we're going to keep him healthy he's our guy going forward then you also want to say let's let him end on a high note if we can um, and also there's the factor of getting other guys looks. You know, Harrison Bailey was a part of the competition and giving him a chance, even if it's with the twos, um, to show his, his worth in games and show how he prepared in games was, you know, I think worth it more than getting more of a look at Doug's performance. Um, but I, I think, and this is not, this is to Doug's credit, a lot of what we saw, there was a couple of tight throws that were, were, were tough passes to throw. Um, I, I know 
mentioning one is the Jeff Weimer deep crossing route was threaded between two defenders. It was a tightly contested ball. There was a, a sideline catch, two sideline catches actually to, to uh, Ricky White on deep out routes that he had to get it up and over coverage where it wasn't an easy throw by any means. So he, he showed that he could put it in some tight spaces. But I think to Doug's credit also, the difference in the first half and the second half, yes, there's a little bit of a drop-off between the ones and twos in the receiver room, but also I think some of the tightly contested throws that Harrison was making was because Harrison's timing wasn't as efficient as Doug's in the first half. And Harrison's command and understanding of where to go with the ball at the snap wasn't as efficient as Doug's was. And then the evidence for that is when Cameron Friel got in with the second string, he took a sack, but the two completions that he had, the ball was out extremely fast. He had an intention on where he wanted to go with the ball, an understanding of how to get it there, and delivered on time and on target. So with the twos, Cameron was able to throw two passes and one of them for a touchdown. So I don't necessarily know that you would have got any more value from, from Doug's minutes with the twos, so to speak. Um, I think Doug finished the performance right where you wanted to as a head coach with some momentum, some confidence going into the rest of the season. When you talk about finishing, obviously, a, a two-minute drive at the end of the half, how key was that to just see what they had there? I think for any offensive system, it's important to know that you can do it. Um, yes, it's against Idaho State, and I know that's pretty much been a lot of, you know, the naysayers' attitude about the win is that it was Idaho State. It was, does it really mean much? Yes, take it with a grain of salt. The quality of competition was not what the Rebels will face for the rest of the year. We understand that. But getting game situations under your belt where you can practice it, rep it in game is, is irreplaceable. You can't simulate that in practice no matter how hard you try. Um, so being able to do that and execute it the way that they did, um, they were efficient. Everybody was on the same page as far as the goals of a two-minute drive, when to get yards, when to get out of bounds. Um, they did have one snafu where they burned a timeout, um, getting their formation set. Um, but then they all had the understanding that from here on out, we don't have a timeout. And that's also another way to coach two-minute drills where it's like, hey, we're operating now without a timeout. How is that different from when we operate when we do have a timeout? Those little nuances um, to getting it in game could pay dividends later on because they may not have needed that for this game. It may not have been a critical situation, but having the confidence that you've executed it before with live bullets, with the refs out there, with the stadium that's you know somewhat engaged in the game and little bit raucous although it's a home crowd with the nerves flowing you can execute that two-minute drill um not a lot of teams get that opportunity in a live game where the the stakes are relatively low um so those those reps could come in handy down the stretch if they you know need to go get a two-minute drive to go win a ball game later on this year unlv wins the opener this past weekend idaho state 52 21 let's talk about some mistakes in the game because i'm sure coaches don't want mistakes to happen but you know, they don't hate it in a big victory because they have things to, to work on and, and point out. First of all, with uh, Brumfield, just about perfect, but he was close to a couple of disastrous moments on an RPO. Not exactly sure what happened. I think he knocked it against his own hip, fumbled. Uh, ball got recovered quickly. He also threw what basically was an interception uh, inside of uh, his own 20. It got dropped. So what sort of lessons come out of that? What did you see on those plays? Well, the RPO is always, you know, with those – from the center quarterback exchange to the running back exchange, the mesh point, it's always a very fragile play. And, you know, the football has progressed to a point where it almost looks effortless uh, at every level at this point. But it's a very hard mechanically to do as a quarterback. You're reading the defense. You're trying to get a good mesh point to sell the fake. And sometimes you're getting a good mesh point in order to hand it off because you're actually still handing it off even though you're reading for the pass. 
Um, so there's there's a lot to it, and I think there's some. It's funny because there's a drill, and we got this on tape during fall camp, where Arroyo is is literally telling them with your mechanics on this RPO action, keep everything tight, keep it engaged, so then you can pop up, you know, with more confidence to the throw if you do that. Um, and this, I think it may have been the case. I don't know, but I think the ball sometimes gets hit on the runner's hip as he's going by, and that loosens your grip on the ball, so it's not as as firm as you're usually have it when you go to actually release and throw it. And I think Doug, understanding the timing of getting that ball out, didn't readjust the grip in his hand. He just tried to, what we call, no lace it, so to speak. Um, and just however you grip the ball, just get it out. Um, and unfortunately, I think his grip wasn't as tight as he thought and the ball comes out. Like you said, you learn the lesson without the catastrophe of, of giving up a fumble in that game. Um, and that's just a learning experience that you're thankful you got as a coach in this, in this kind of a game where you're, you're running away with the victory. The, the interception that should have been um, was one of those cases where I think his eyes were right. The read was right to go to the target he was going to. But it's one of those things like the protection breaking down, um, you know, even as minimally as it did with a guy in your lap, you're not able to get, you, you know, full weight into the throw. Having to understand as a quarterback, the coaching point there, OK, can I afford to adjust in the pocket to avoid the rush? Is the timing on that route so pivotal that I, I couldn't have? And if that's the case, sometimes the defense wins. And it's not because the route was covered. It's not because the protection was terrible. It's just because the time that the, the pocket broke down and the timing of that route needing to be thrown um, just didn't line up. And I have to not just be on fire knowing where to go with it, but knowing that, hey, we just missed one. And sometimes as a quarterback, that's, that's the throws that you regret the most. It's like, I should have just thrown it away. I knew I wasn't gonna be able to make it. Um, probably should have just been more safe with the ball there. Um, but again, you learn those lessons, and it's good to have them in wins like this. And it's good, like you said, to have something on the film that still needs correction, something to, you know, kind of a, a carrot to dangle in front of the guy's face. Like, hey, you did good, but there's still something you need to chase. And I think perfection is always a goal. Anytime we fall short, we can learn from those experiences. And I think Doug had those two. Uh, he also had one to uh, Kaleo Balungai on that two-minute drive that he overthrew, and it could have easily turned into an interception as well because he missed there. Um, but again tragedy was avoided and and the rebels came out unscathed and and really doug had the best performance uh probably of his young career so far so it it, it it worked out that he learned those lessons without having to feel the pain of a pick six going the other way and one of the best from an efficiency standpoint in the history of the school who has the most efficient game in the history of unlv football it's me steve it's me <laughs> what were your numbers because he was he was 21 to 25 for 356 and four touchdowns Right, so I was 24 of 28. Ooh. I had 256 and three touchdowns. And it was at the time the largest comeback for UNLV, comeback win for UNO, in UNLV school history. I think uh, they broke that record against Reno up in Reno a few years back. But uh, the stakes were high. That was a comeback game for me. And it, so that was the game I reclaimed my starting job. It was, it was magical for me. Um, so he actually, from just, you know, going back, he – in my way, I look at it, he tied it because he threw the same number of incompletions. Um, and if he had more attempts, he would have, the percentage would have broken down where he would have had a higher percentage. Of, you know, the way numbers work, because math. But, math, um, plus, plus math. <laughs> yeah. Are you, so, so Caleb, are you sitting in the, was, are, are you sitting in the booth, like, kind of doing the math? Like, oh, all right, don't, don't pass me. <laughs> well, I knew, so I'm honestly, I sit in the booth, and it didn't hit me till halftime. I knew he was on fire and he was having a great game. 
Um, and like the, the, the two, the big um, near mistakes kind of didn't put in perspective all the way. Um, but at halftime, when we go over the numbers, I look and I say, wow, he's 20 of 24. And I knew in my head, I had my game that set the record. I only had four incomplete passes. And I knew that in the back of my head. I couldn't think at the time, like, what was my actual number? Like, well, how many completions did I have? Um, so in my head, I'm thinking, like, if he doesn't come back in the second half, he's going to have the record. Um, but then, like I said, the numbers of it, I just ended up throwing more because I played, I think, a little bit, just barely, because I ended up playing one drive and a full half. I played the last drive of the second quarter and then the whole second half. And he played the whole first half and then we'll count it as a drive. I just say one play in the second half. So we actually ended up playing the same amount of game time roughly, um, but he just didn't throw as many attempts as I did. So. You know, I, I, it, I was aware of it. And then it wasn't until after the game where, you know, people started throwing it out to me. that I was like, you know what? Let me look. I'll just double check just to make sure. And then it was like, wipe the sweat from my brow. Yes, my record's safe. <laughs> I'll, I'll be okay for another game at least. So, but Doug looks like he's, he's going to, I mean, if he has more games like that in the future, I don't see a reason why he won't break it at some point in his career. It shouldn't count. Yours is high leverage. So it's way more important. <laughs> That's what I'll stick with. Okay. That I'll stick with that, that angle on it. Adam, and I'll, I'll be glad if you promote that angle on it. But no, looking back at the young guys, there's records that I don't want anymore that I, I'll be happy to. <laughs> this record, maybe one of them eventually. And then the bowl game record, obviously. I, I, I would love to not be introduced anymore as the last quarterback to take UNLV to the bowl game. I can't wait for that record to fall as a fan of UNLV athletics. So, you know, so records are made to be broken, as it's been said. And I remember busting Randall Cunningham's shops when, <laughs> when I broke that record. And I'm sure one day, maybe Doug, maybe somebody else will, will be calling me up and let me know that my record is falling. There he is. All-time great UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of the Rebels now on radio, Caleb Herring. Caleb, we're up against it. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care. There he is. Caleb Herring. We're live at Ellis Island. It's a Caleb Herring, owner of the record for most efficient passing game in UNLV history. I mean, I will say the uh, bastion of positivity, the morning show, on ESPN Las Vegas, the press box actually was pointing out that Caleb did it against better competition versus Doug Brumfield, who was going against an FCS team. So, what's positive? Is that something to hang a hat on? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of negative on Brumfield, but positive on Caleb. So, sure. It's never going to be positive. 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 Yeah, positive for our guy. Ellis Island Casino. Home of the 24-7 Steak Special, 10-ounce top sirloin steak special for just $11.99 with your Ellis Island Players Club card. The Steve Sears Summer Tour 2022 continues from Ellis Island Casino. Hanging out in the front yard. I think Jed's got some garlic fries. I can smell them. Randy Couture, Steve Sears, Steve Sears Summer Tour. Those guys will be coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. I think we're going to play out the 3 o'clock hour with the National Anthem. We'll see how this goes. But <laughs> some NFL news in. First of all, Adam, you just mentioned Adam's going to duck off the show for a few minutes. But you just mentioned what came out with the Raiders? Full practice squad released. Well, that's exciting. Well, actually not full. They have two slots left. There's 14, okay. 14 guys have been announced. All 14 actually were guys that they cut yesterday. So Really? Uh, no, no, no new names in that mix. I would, I would imagine they're leaving two spots open to kind of explore the league, see what's going on. Uh, but certainly very important that they kept some of the offensive linemen. Uh, they only kept kept eight on the active roster. Uh, that's not enough to go into the season with. And no. uh, one of the things Josh McDaniel said this morning was, yeah, we've got eight, but the way the practice squad is now, 
Uh, you got 16 other guys. Six can be veterans. You can call up you know, each of them three times to the active roster. So you can kind of use the practice squad now as a, you know, extra roster spots, really, in a way that you really couldn't uh, in the previous rules. So I'm sure we know all the names, but who are some of the names? So people become familiar who, uh, with who made the practice squad. Yeah, I think, you know, you start with the offensive line. Uh, you go with Hronis like, Grasu, who's been the center, the backup center. Uh, he's been around even since last year. Uh, Bam Olasini and uh, Jordan Meredith both were with the team throughout uh, camp as well. So that's the offensive line. Uh, Dylan Stoner, who's been kind of back and forth with the Raiders in the practice squad the last couple of years. He's there. Austin Walter, the running back. Uh, Isaiah Zuber made quite an impression uh, in training camp and, um, you know, definitely made some plays. He's back, uh, as is Chase Garbers, as the third quarterback. Uh, he's around. And then uh, Cole Featheringham, uh, Matthias Farley, who almost made the team. He's a safety, uh, just kind of got beat out uh, at the very end. Uh, so he didn't quite make it, but he's now back in the practice. But he's, he's going to be one of those veteran guys that they kind of bring back and forth uh, a little bit. So he will get some playing time, I would imagine, uh, at some point during the season. And uh, Bryce Cosby, Ike Brown, another USFL guy, uh, Zuber and Brown, both USFL guys. So uh, they made it. They made their way on the roster. Were you surprised they kept so many running backs on the uh, the active roster? And Britton Brown made it, yeah. huh? Yeah, I, I think to me, when I was doing my roster projection, it came down to Keelan Cole versus Britton Brown. Uh, do you want that veteran wide receiver presence or do you want the rookie running back? And I think uh, Britton Brown showed well in in preseason. Uh, they drafted him, so they're, they're kind of connected with him. Uh, and I, I just feel like they thought he might be claimed if they let him go to waivers. Because you can't just put a guy in practice squad. You have to expose him to waivers. Anybody else gets a chance to pick him up, and then you can hope to sign him again. So I think if you could have just put a guy in practice squad, I think they might have done that. Uh, but they weren't allowed to do that. So I, I think that uh, that was part of that decision. We should mention, because we haven't gotten to him, Alex Leatherwood already got another job. He was picked up on waivers. Yeah, which is massive for the Raiders. Uh, Why? They don't have to pay. None of it? No. It's the Bears now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do I, do I, do I sit back here and do my Ray Liotta yelling at Karen? Well, and, and what? Here's the Why th- did you do that <laughs> if you're the Bears? Well, they, want, they wanted him. And I think, they think he's worth the money? Well, I think part of what weighed into it is the Bears just did this. Tevin Jenkins was a first-rounder last year, first-round talent that was kind of a busted tackle. They moved him to guard for the preseason game, and he looked really, really good. And I think they said, hey, we can do the same thing with Alex Leatherwood. Uh, yeah, a gift for the Raiders. And, look, I put this out on Twitter earlier. Uh, the headline of the story was Bears give, Bears give a gift to the Raiders, claim Alex Leatherwood. And somebody's like, a gift? You're saying he's going to be – what if he's good? They had already released him. Yeah. Like They, they were going to have to pay for him. Now they don't have to. That's a win yeah. for the Raiders, regardless of how good Alex Leatherwood ends up being. All right, I think we got a special feature here. Steve Sears with us. Steve, we got uh, hey. Naz who's going to play us out of the Steve hour. Steve going to sing? No, no, he's, uh, he's, he's got a special guest who's going to play no, the I National know. Anthem. The, the Steve Sears summer tour is finally back. I can't believe it. So, no, my friend Naz, uh, who's just – Famous, famous is going to give us a little star-spangled banner because it, be, before it is the Steve Sear Olympics. You know, we will we'll have that announcement later. But Naz, take it away, brother. <laughs> All right, here we go. We're, we got technical difficulties right now. We're getting taken care of. We're gonna play. We're gonna play our way out here in one second. Here we go. Yes, thank you, thank you, Ari, for the drop. We had it all set up. We thought we were good. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll play our way into the four o'clock hour instead of out of the three. All right, let's hour. We'll, all right, let's get the break a little early. We'll open next hour with the national anthem. I might have stepped on uh, something. I don't know. Someone, <laughs> someone. I'll take I'll take I'll take the blame. But we'll be good next hour.